This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show as it has not been your typical June week in Lincoln. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about here in this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan here, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and um, we've had commits. We've, we're going to have a big camp this week with over 25 offered guys, but um, really the news this week has been dominated by a lot of off-the-field things, guys. And let's first start with uh, the coaching news, uh, the, the shakeup here on the staff, Bob Elliott. Um, who was brought in to be the safeties coach, kind of a mentor to Bob Diaco, a 38-year coaching veteran, the right-hand man of Hayden Fry at Iowa for so many years, among many other jobs at places like Kansas State, Iowa State, Notre Dame, etc., um, has been uh, has stepped down as Nebraska's safety coach, will move into an analyst role. Meanwhile, Scott Booker, who was an assistant coach at Notre Dame last year, who was an analyst for the spring, now moves back into a full-time coaching role. Essentially, Booker and Elliott have swapped back to the jobs they had a year ago at Notre Dame. Um, it's been well documented uh, that Bob Elliott has had health issues over his coaching career. In fact, he stepped down as a full-time coach at Notre Dame because of his health issues. Uh, Elliott was on the road recruiting for a couple of weeks um, came off the road, um, was replaced by Tavita Thompson, Nate, and and, and that was kind of I think the first sign that you knew something might be up, especially when we did not we did not see Bob Elliott at any of these satellite camps. Well, yeah, anytime that you've got a graduate assistant who's elevated to full time status to, and able to go out on the road, I think that's that's a sign that there's something major going on, some type of shakeup or or a health issue because you can't just elevate a GA guy, a, G, a graduate assistant to a full-time status. It's got to be a legit reason. It's got to be a legit reason and you know and really the only time that we've ever seen that happen is when they're when the staff is short <clears throat> in terms of full-time numbers or when there has been a health reason. I know Barney Cotton had several injuries where he wasn't able to, to go out on the road in the past. and, uh, and Surgeries. Guys, yeah, whatever. Um, and so guys were elevated up. And uh, we saw Tavita kind of hit the road last December and, and parts of uh, January while the, while there was the, while the staff was kind of in flux. So when he was in, on the you know out on the road in, in May, you knew that there was something strange kind of going on. And then we'd kind of heard a, a few rumblings that there could be a change change but um so i mean you, yeah you hope that bob elliott is is okay um but at the same time i think you have to kind of tip your hat to mike riley here because um this is this is a, a prime example of him kind of kind of planning down the road and, and having a contingency plan just in case there was some type of issue that arose you're listening here to the husker online show sean callahan nate klaus robin washa and robin when i look at kind of how it played out i mean I actually thought when Elliott was first brought up here, I really thought it might be initially for an analyst role because of his past history. So it does make sense that the younger guy that's been an active recruiter on the road for Notre Dame um, moves into this role. And it, it's almost like he, Scott Booker, came to Nebraska knowing this day might come. I think it just came maybe a year faster than anyone thought. Yeah, I think like Nate mentioned, this seems like Booker was brought in as a contingency plan because of Bob Elliott's health history. And obviously Nebraska themselves have not publicly come out and said this is due to health. They said it was for personal reasons. But the writing's on the wall. I mean, Bob Elliott is a cancer survivor who received a bone marrow transplant back in the 1990s. Um, he endured kidney failure and had to give himself daily dialysis. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, he's had a, a pretty rough go uh, over the past few years. And um, when he took this job, that was immediately one of the questions that popped up. And he said, you know what, I feel great. I'm going to coach until, you know, they don't let me coach anymore. But clearly, um, you know, things things are not, are not going well uh, for him to, to make a move like this in June. Uh, after just four months on the job. And so, yes, you, you get some uh, 
I guess, carryover with Booker taking over. I mean, there's there's some continuity there uh, with his time, I guess, working on the same staff as Bob Diaco. Um, so, you know, there's familiarity there. You know, he was around the program in the spring. But the reality is, uh, I mean, the, the safeties slash defensive backs coach position at Nebraska has been the ultimate carousel. Uh, I mean, what are they now? They're, that they're... Well, Chris Jones and Joshua Kalu. Were yeah, you know, those guys played for Charlton Warren their freshman year, Brian Stewart their sophomore year, Mark Banker their junior year, and then during the spring they had Bob Elliott. Now they'll have Scott Booker. I mean that is a mouthful. Wow, four four safeties coaches since 2015. That's that's kind of all you need to say right there. Well, so, five for those guys. Yeah, so it will be five. Yeah, so that. That's not a good situation, uh, no matter how you want to dress it up. But I guess if you want to look at the positives, um, you know, Booker did show some, you know, acumen for being a recruiter at Notre Dame, um, signed some pretty high profile tight ends. Uh, and so, I mean, he's he's going to be active on the recruiting front. So, I mean, uh, I guess that's good news. And like I said, he's got some familiarity with Diaco. There's a comfort level there. Um but here's the thing where I think this is going to hurt the most. Uh, obviously, you know, we never got to see what Bob Elliott could do on the recruiting front. But just having that presence, uh, he was really the one guy on that defensive staff that could tell Bob Diaco no. Uh, just because, I mean, 38 years of clout, he coached Bob Diaco. I mean, there's very few guys. He that, still can do that, though. Yeah, but I'm saying just, just to have that guy on the field. Uh, I mean, he's not going to be on the field anymore. And so, I mean, that that's going to be a loss. I don't, I mean, I don't care. How I think he would, have, he would have been in the box on game days, kind of the eyes in the sky, the kind of Yoda on the headset type exactly. guy that, that could really be, you know, just that complimenting part. And I don't know what the rules of an analyst are. Can they wear a headset on game day? Do either of you guys know that or, or do they have to be off the headset, Nate? I'm, <clears throat> I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know that there are GAs and interns that have headsets. I don't know exactly what they can say and who they can say it to. So, yeah, that will be interesting to see. And, and guys, if his health stuff, too, we don't even know what yeah, is game day, yeah, exactly. if, if he'll be at game days right now with his situation, if there is a situation. So, uh, nonetheless, this will be the fourth safeties coach under Mike Riley for Nebraska. And for seniors like Chris Jones and Kalu, this will be their fifth coach of their career. Um, so, not ideal, but this situation unforeseen. Uh, before we wrap up this opening segment, obviously, we're going to get to the roster attrition stuff in segment two. Nate, I wanted to hit on Joshua Moore's commitment. Um, this was as big of a recruiting victory as you could really have from Nebraska's standpoint. You beat Texas A&M head to head as twin brothers, currently an Aggie commit. Jordan Moore, also a, a four star, I believe. So, um, for them to pull this out, especially. Uh, when a lot of our good friends and contacts down in uh, the A&M market thought that he was a lock for A&M uh, was huge. Well, yeah, big-time victory for Nebraska. It happened um, you know, on the anniversary of his brother's death, which just so happened to coincide with Keith Williams' birthday, uh, which was almost like a, an automatic, weird connection. Um, between those two guys that that uh, that is you know his his uh, his brother's birthday and death happened on the same uh, birthday as, as his potential uh, position coach so that was that was kind of strange but yeah I don't recall in a time where a pair of twins have really split up especially when one of the twins committed early to a school that's about an hour or hour and a half away from from their home so uh, that was I think you have to give major kudos to Keith Williams for being able to not only convince Joshua Moore that Nebraska is the best place for him and that um, it's okay to play somewhere else than than with his brother, but also to convince the mother that that's okay for the brothers to kind of split up. So, And he's the better of the two, correct? Yeah, he is the better of the two. He's, he's ranked as the number, uh, I think he's the 139th best prospect in the country right now, and I think that to be honest with you, that's probably a little bit on the low side. Uh, he has the most offers out of any recruit in the country. He had 58 offers to his name. So that is the wow! I didn't realize. that. Yeah. So um, it's it, it's not just Texas A&M that Nebraska beat out here. It's Florida State. It was, it was I mean Alabama. Alabama. I mean this is a kid who's facetiming with Nick Saban every week leading up to the commitment. So um, this is a huge recruiting victory for Nebraska and and uh, definitely helps to fill a big need there at the wide receiver position in this 2018 class. Gives them a big-bodied presence, something that they've really needed 
uh, the last couple of recruiting classes. Well, we've got a full show on tap here. When we come back, we're going to delve more into the roster attrition stuff. Then we're going to take your questions in the mailbag, uh, followed up by a full recap of last week's Friday Night Lights Camp, and then a preview of this weekend's one. Uh, it's one that you're not going to want to miss. Um, the Fan Fest starts at 5, the free food and drinks, um, from multiple vendors outside Memorial Stadium starting at 5. The camp uh, begins at 6, but really more closer to 6.30, 6.45 is when the real action begins. Um, so take your family out. It's going to be great weather this weekend in Lincoln um, with the free food and activities for the kids. And there will be over 25 prospects on campus with offers, including 13 prospects ranked four or five stars by rivals. It doesn't get much better than that, as Mike Riley said, for a Husker fan on a Friday night in June. Well, when we come back, we're going to discuss the latest roster attrition. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. It's been quite the week. We just got through all the news of the latest commit, Joshua Moore and Bob Elliott and Scott Booker's movement on the coaching staff. But huge week uh, as well with some roster attrition. And uh, it was a story broken right here on HuskerOnline.com by our own Nate Klaus as uh, nobody has been tied in closer on the Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and senior beat than our own Nate Klaus. And Kind of got thrown a curveball, Nate. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Um, is leaving the team uh, with an open door to return. It's been documented uh, the problems that he's had, uh, the marijuana um, citation that he received on campus, but I think there's obviously a lot more to that uh, with some of the things off the field. Long story short, Mike Riley said, you're going home, you need to grow up. Uh, his father uh, backed that decision 100%. He's back in L.A. with the chance to return in January your thoughts on kind of everything that's played out and, and, and does he have a realistic chance to get back? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the door's open for him to come back, but there are certain things that he has to do and accomplish from now until January. Um, and, and Keyshawn Sr. Did, really didn't want to go into all the, the specifics on those what those parameters are surrounding his potential return. But he, he just told me that he said the bottom line is that um, my son needs to grow up. He needs to mature. And when he went to when he went away to college, he uh, he was was far too interested in living the college life instead of taking advantage of being a student athlete and that opportunity um, head on. And and he said that uh, there was a lot of things that people don't quite know that were that were kind of going on behind the scenes, um, things that were obviously controlled by Keyshawn Jr. And, and also some things that were out of his control. I think there was some lingering health issues as well. Uh, but the bottom line is that uh, he was not doing, not fully engaged following the rules, is I think how Sr. put it with me. And and uh, and he said, you're not going to, he's like, he said, under my watch, you're not going to screw up, uh, especially at Nebraska or or under Mike Riley and make them look bad and make me look bad. And so I think they came to the decision that it would be best for him to kind of take a leave of absence, head back to California, try to get his mind right, try to get healthy and uh, and see if the if that door is still open in January for him to return. As of now it is, but like I said, there are still some things that, that he needs to take care of once he gets out there. And Robin, you know, you look at this and I, I don't think I mean we us in this room right now kind of know he wasn't going to be a factor this year. He wasn't going to play, but I think it's just the PR blow of it. You know, this high profile Cal Braska led the movement type of guy, um, but really, I, I still think his dad almost led the movement as much as anybody initially, uh, but just the PR blow of losing his son and, and the news that it brought on, I think that's probably the most damaging thing this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a kid that was arguably the face of the 2017 recruiting class and was the first major domino to fall that led to you know a pretty hefty haul. Um, with all those connections. And so clearly not good uh, look, um, not only for, for Keyshawn Jr. and his family, but for Nebraska, um, and the fact that you're having a kid have problems like that early on. But, you know, like Nate said, it's it's a layers of things here. It's not just, you know, one mistake and you pull him out of school. I mean, there's a lot, lot going on here, but 
from the the team perspective, yeah, I think a red shirt was inevitable for him this season. Um, you just look at him. Uh, obviously, he was only con- able to practice for half a spring ball, uh, and just physically, uh, he did not look anywhere near the level of the other receivers in that room, even the other freshmen. I mean, you, you put him side by side with J.B. McQuitty, uh, You know, one of them looks like a Big Ten wide receiver; the other looks like he had a long way to go. And um, so, I mean, uh, there's no, I guess, uh, impact as far as Nebraska's wide receiver rotation uh, by Keyshawn Jr. not being around this season. What it does uh, potentially hurt, though, is his development. Not being around the team for a season, you know, going through practices, learning the offense, developing rapport with the quarterbacks. Uh, so, I mean, that's probably, you know, from a football standpoint, the, the biggest blow here. But um, uh, clearly there are more important things going on right now in this situation that, um, you know, the fact that everyone was on the same page with this uh, it seems to be the right move. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss the departure of Keyshawn Johnson Jr. And uh, it, it will be interesting, Nate, to see if he truly can get back. And, you know, there was some other roster attrition this week as well. Linebacker Greg Simmons, a redshirt freshman out of the South Florida area, um, has left the team. Now, uh, Mike Riley has not made it even a statement. It's interesting how it's been handled. No statements have been actually been delivered by Mike Riley on Keyshawn or Greg Simmons, just kind of a verification of the situation. Um, And in fact, I don't even know if they gave a verification on Keyshawn. Keyshawn Sr. kind of did that himself. Um, But nonetheless, there are two open scholarships right now. Um, And and that will be interesting to see, Nate, if this will at all affect the numbers or if if this was already kind of factored in that they would have something like this happen to get the class to 17 or maybe 18. Well, I think anytime. I think you always have to kind of factor in attrition, uh, at least for one or two guys that are going to end up leaving the program. And obviously in the, the, the short term, you're going to be able to give maybe some walk-ons those scholarships for this fall at least. But, uh, um, you know, it should, theoretically, it should impact the class and the class size number, you know, that signing class number once once uh, December, January, or February rolls around. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But um, for the most part, I feel like the, with the way Nebraska has been operating uh, as far as how they kind of target their numbers and everything, I feel like they generally count on one or two guys leaving. I know a couple years ago when they oversigned by three, which the Big Ten allows you to do, everyone was all up in arms wondering, okay, how is this going to work out? You know, how are they going to get – Just they, let it be. <laughs> how are they going to make this fit? And all of a sudden, lo and behold, it worked out just fine. Uh, and they hit they hit their number dead on uh, by the time, you know, by the time uh, fall camp rolled around and, and they had to be at that number they had to be at so uh, I, I think this staff is a pretty good feel for for how to handle things and how to uh, kind of work the numbers and, and manipulate them a little bit and and I get the feeling that we may not be done with the attrition so if there is some more attrition to come then I think then that could really impact the numbers uh, a little bit more yeah it's hard to read the Greg Simmons one if if he just knew his role was going to be limited. I mean, was he even going to be a travel guy this year? Um, and he definitely was working the third string defense, um, at least for this season. And uh, which means, you know, he would have been a borderline travel roster guy. So maybe they just laid it out for him and he just wasn't happy with what his role was going to be, Robin. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind, I mean, his career never really caught footing. Uh, I mean, his first fall camp, he suffers that neck injury. Uh, during, Scary deal. During practice. Yeah. And he was carted off. People thought he was potentially paralyzed. And so, I mean, things got off to a bad start from the get go with him. And, you know, it happens all the time. You see it every year. Kids from out of state, um, things don't go the way they'd planned. They get homesick, they get frustrated, and they try to test things elsewhere or elsewhere. So uh, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the, the Keyshawn deal. As far as Nebraska's team is concerned, I don't, I don't view this as a major immediate blow, especially not only was he third team. He was behind uh, Redshirt freshman or so- Redshirt sophomore Muhammad Berry and a true freshman in Avery Roberts. So I mean, they have young talent there at that position that you know it really isn't going to make this much of an impact. The, the most disappointing part is from a physical standpoint, Greg Simmons really fit the mold of that inside three-four linebacker that Bob Diaco likes. I mean, just kind of compared him uh, just from his makeup uh, to what they were working with at Notre Dame back in the day. So. It's disappointing that that potential never played out, but clearly Nebraska has some other young guys that they feel really good about as well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we wrap it up here uh, on this roster attrition news, Nate. And you look at the receiver position now, um, they're once again down on numbers. I mean, 
people have this thought that, oh, they're just loaded with receivers. But after, you know, this group of older guys leaves the program, I mean, their younger numbers are very low. So um, it definitely has left a dent in the recruiting class. When last year your only freshman receiver left was J.D. Spielman, and now going into fall camp you have just two. Yeah, and, and because especially when you look at what Nebraska wanted to sign last year, they wanted to bring in, um, you know, at least four and maybe even a fifth wide out. You know, they were they were hoping that uh, a Jameer Calvin would have been a part of the class and, and that a guy like uh, Joseph Lewis would have been a part of the class. Well, th- that didn't really work out. So um, so this year's recruiting class, this year's wide out class, all of a sudden is very, very important for Nebraska. And some of these guys in the 2018 class are going to have to be counted on to come in and contribute immediately because you're going to have guys like DeMornay Pearsonell leaving the program after this season. So, um, and, and potentially even Stanley Morgan, who knows? But um, so, yeah, definitely the numbers at that wide receiver position are, are less than ideal. I still think. Uh, that losing Keyshawn Jr., though, really doesn't impact a whole lot because I don't think he was going to play this year, uh, was probably going to redshirt. So uh, I, I look at this this kind of departure or leave of absence of his as almost like his redshirt season, and, and we'll see if he's able to, to rejoin the program in January. Well, we'll continue the discussion next. Uh, we'll have uh, a chance to take your questions in the mailbag. Unfortunately, our interns are not here, so I'm going to play intern for the day, go through the mailbag, take the questions, and uh, we've got lots to discuss. So that's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. And it is summertime, so that means we are interned as Matt is uh, in Chicago right now at the Big Ten Network. Our own Matt Reynoldson and David Eichold is basically trying to take about 20 hours this summer of summer school, which is something I never did, Robin. Those uh, interns, I'll tell you what. They're trying to get their you-know-what together. It's about time. But, yeah, so nonetheless, we don't have interns to manage the mailbag. Uh, but I did my best to be an intern this week. I posted the mailbag question on the Red Sea Scrolls. Lots of good questions. Way less foolery on that post as the normal weeks. But um, let's get down to it. Um, first question I got on here uh, is for Nate. Over under this weekend on commits. Things are moving awfully fast. Question from uh, Poster Captain. I'm going to say the over under. I'm going to put it at 1.5, and I think the I think that we'll see the over hit. Although I'm not positive, I I guess you should kind of quantify that by saying, okay, what's the time period here? If if it's has to happen on campus this weekend, or if you can kind of say, you know, maybe give you a 48 hour grace period after the weekend ends. I I think there's a good chance for maybe Nebraska to pick up as many as three, but, um, and possibly, you know, always a chance that they, they don't get any, but I think we'll see at least one and probably two. So I'd put it at 1.5. All right. Next question uh, from BD FB 70 to 97 uh, with the system, with their system and players in place, uh, will 2018 be the year Nebraska? Can, you can fairly accurately access, uh, let me try that again. With their system and players in place, will 2018 be the year we can accurately and fairly assess if this staff is going to be successful, Robin? Uh, I mean, at some point, I mean, what is that going to be? Year five or four? Year four. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think at some point you got to start. Uh, uh, expecting results, uh, you know. Obviously, you get a bit of a grace period through your first two years, maybe even into year three. Uh, but when you're on into year four and up, I mean, those are your guys, and those are the guys that are on the roster have played for you. They know what you. Uh, they toughest, want of you. Ske- toughest schedule though will be year year four. This is true, but you've also had four years to assemble talent to meet that schedule, and so I mean. I don't think it's like an end-all, be-all type season, but I think that it's time to start expecting uh, Nebraska to start translating recruiting success into on-field success. It will be interesting to see, though, just what the expectation level will be in 18, assuming Tanner Lee has a good year this year and um, they only have 11 scholarship seniors, but Nebraska plays at Ohio State, they play at Michigan, at Wisconsin, at Iowa, at Northwestern. Um, That five-game conference road stretch – 
where you know Nebraska may only be a favorite in, in one of the one or two of those games at the most. So uh, that will be interesting, Nate, to kind of gauge next year. Um, and a lot of that will be what this year delivers. Yeah, next year is definitely a meat grinder. But I do think that this is the year where you can say that Mike Riley's finally on the clock as he has – you know, the majority of this roster is all made up of his guys. That he finally has his his quarterback running his offense, and they've kind of retooled the defense. I think this is where, as far as recruiting goes, especially where the you know you've been selling this this vision and, and kind of your your plan for where the program is heading. This is the year where I think a lot of recruits are gonna gonna want to see some progress and want to see okay is Nebraska trending in the right direction? Are they taking the the steps towards where the coaches have been telling me the program is heading? All right, we're taking your questions here in the mailbag. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett here, uh, Nate Klaus on Husker Online Radio. And uh, this one, you know, is kind of a – not a random one, but I think maybe a little aggressive, Nate. Any chance Duggan commits this weekend? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't see that happening. But I'll tell you this, I think Nebraska is trending in the right direction with him and without question because anytime you've got a kid who's been who's coming back to back camps um, and, and you know he spent he worked out at Friday Night Lights camp uh, last Friday and and then stayed all day Saturday doing the big red weekend. So he was able to be loved up by the coaches, be around the players and and experience everything Nebraska has to offer all last weekend. And then all of a sudden he's coming back this Friday night lights to work out again and be around all the top notch talent, all those commitments and and really see the full out circus that this Friday night lights is going to be. I think that is a good very good sign for Nebraska. Um, and if you're Iowa or Penn State and, and North Carolina and a lot of these teams that have already offered him, I think you have to you have to be a little bit worried about the moves that Nebraska is making with him all of a sudden. Next question from FAPA78. I heard the Jumbotron scoreboard in the North Stadium was being replaced after the spring game. Will the new board be up and running for Friday Night Lights? If not, is the old one still operational? I can answer this one. Uh, the new board is up, um, and they're putting in the corner boards as we speak. Uh, they are not operational and running yet. So what Nebraska has done at these camps um, is they put up temporary big screens, um, you know, on the field level and in the end zone on the north side uh, to add to the atmosphere. So that was not cheap. And then um, Robin, they added an in-house DJ, um, <laughs> and he was actually piped into the sound system at Memorial Stadium doing his mixing, and you actually know the DJ. Yeah, DJed my wedding, uh, Matt Eskra, and he knows how to throw a party. So, I mean, it's just, you know, you got to do cool things like that to help create the environment that they're looking for. I mean, obviously, opening it up to the public is big, um, and the players kind of speak for themselves, but, you know, just to add, you know, something, a new wrinkle to that, uh, I think is a real cool deal. And uh, as far as the the big screen's concerned, that thing is way overdue for renovation. I mean, I remember the spring game, there were like a bunch of like patches out in it and like it just looked bad looked dated so um, much overdue renovation and i think it'll be a good thing all right next question in the mailbag here from bdfb7097 what kind of impact will booker have at fnl this weekend in the long term has he had any previous contact with griffith tut and others nate uh i guarantee you that he has had some contact with those guys i know I know he follows all those guys on Twitter, and and um, and he's been kind of regarded as as a good recruiter, as a guy who is good at establishing relationships. But what I've heard the most about him is that he's at his best when when he's face to face with a recruit, whether they're visiting campus or whether he is going into a recruit's home for a home visit. And and so I think that this weekend will be kind of maybe his one of his first opportunities to really show just how good of a recruiter he he is since there's going to be, you know, 20 to 30 different, you know, big time recruits, recruits that have offers or that could potentially earn offers down the road on campus this weekend. I think that this will be a really good, uh, you know, kind of first test for him, I guess, as a full time coach and to see exactly how good of a recruiter he is. And then another question here from Husker two underscore two. What are you most excited about to come out of this weekend's festivities? Um, I don't know for me. I just want to see the atmosphere. We're going to have great weather, the fan fests ahead of time. Uh, when you add all that together with the number of recruits that are going to be here, knowing what last year's camp did on a very you know limited kind of grassroots marketing effort, this year with much more kind of 
expectations. I'm just excited to see the crowd and, and what it's going to deliver, Robin. Yeah, I'm with you. Just the, the event aspect of this and how it's uh, developed so quickly over just a couple of years to, to where it's become almost a, a summer spectacle uh, around the football program. Uh, I think it's just been fun just to watch watch this thing grow. And, um, you know, obviously they're not only bringing in more and more elite level talent, um, but, you know, the, the opening up to the fans, doing a whole like side uh, entertainment uh, thing with free food, balloon artists, uh, inflatable games. It's, it's like a carnival uh, and live DJs. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a fun environment. And then you add in the, the high level of football that will be going on. I mean, this is going to be a pretty fun deal. I'm fascinated to see what type of dominoes fall from a recruiting aspect out of this because Nebraska does have limited space left in this 2018 recruiting class. There's going to be a number of high-profile guys here, and you, uh, you know, arguably your ace peer recruiter, Buki Radley-Hiles, on campus uh, that has been working on a bunch of guys like uh, like five-star outside linebacker Micah Parsons and so on and so forth. So um, I'm interested to see if, if there is a domino or two to fall or – if some of these really high-profile guys automatically lock up official visits in the fall to make a return trip. And then also just the progression of this camp has been really fascinating because when Mike Riley first put this thing together, he, he said he wanted this to become kind of a national-type camp and, and like a destination camp where kids from across the country said, well, I know for sure I'm going to Friday Night Lights at Nebraska as one of my camp spots. And, and that's what it's starting to become. I, I think just in one year's time, uh, we've we've seen what last year's camp was, how big it was. We've seen that almost doubled, even. So, uh, so just the watching the progression of that has been pretty fascinating. And then, lastly, it is CWS week right now in Omaha. I went down to the game Tuesday. Uh, got a question here on what are your must go to spots for a CWS game? I mean, you guys are you big CWS guys, Robin and Nate? I go maybe to one game a year, and usually I try to get to the national championship games, especially if it's a game three. We, we went last year. Yeah, so, I mean, those those are the games I try to go to. Obviously, I'm not an Omaha guy, so I didn't grow up around it, but, uh, you know, I've gone and had some had pretty good, good times. I liked it better at Rosenblatt like everybody else, but uh, it's still a pretty good deal. I have only been to one game at Rosenblatt and, and uh, never been to TD Ameritrade, so... I- Growing up around it, living in South Omaha, like I thought everybody just like embraced it and went to games. And then living in Lincoln now, the last 17, 18 years, I've come to realize like it truly is just an Omaha thing. Like Lincoln people don't really even get into it that much. Uh, But luckily, we've had our tickets since I was like 10 years old and I've been to many games and used to go to all the games. But like Robin, I'm a, I'm a Rosenblatt guy, but you know, around the new stadium, there's so much more space, parking, land, activities to do um, for you know pregame stuff. Uh, I recommend going to uh, Blatt Beer and Table. Uh, they've got a rooftop bar. Yeah, we uh, went there last year. Right? Yep, rooftop bar. Um, you know, Zesto ice cream at the bottom of it. Restaurant, um, and then you you can't go wrong with Baseball Village and then the Mattress Factory. I mean, all of that right there um, gives you so much to do. Uh, pre-game, post-game, etc. So um, it is set up for the fans to, to really enjoy the pre-game in the post-game with all the things to do, and you really can't go wrong um, what direction you, you walk because there literally is a beer or a hot dog or whatever you want to grab, um, whatever direction you look. So that wraps it up here for the mailbag. When we come back, we're going to recap everything that came out of last night's Friday Night Lights camp, and then in our final segment, we will give you a full preview of what to come uh, this Friday. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we are getting ready to go for another Friday Night Lights camp this week, but... Man, it was quite a week last week, Nate, as Nebraska hosted several guys on campus. It was a a rain-affected, weather-affected camp on Friday, but nonetheless, a very productive session. Uh, Really, the big news that came out of it, number one, they made an offer to 2019 Scotts Bluff outside linebacker, kind of pass rush D-end Garrett Nelson. And and that one came out of left field because I don't even know if he was really on any of their pre-camp sheets as a guy to watch, and he not only earn their respect he got an offer by the end of friday night yeah well he came out to the big man camp earlier friday and and really had a dominating performance during that camp and then uh but i still don't think nebraska was necessarily 
to the point where they were going to extend an early offer. Um, but you could tell as the night went along at, during Friday Night Lights camp that uh, that would, things were definitely trending in that direction. He was unstoppable. He's 6'3", 235 pounds, has an extremely quick step, and not just – fast and athletic but he was also able to use that athleticism combined with some actual pass rush moves which you don't typically see for a kid who's just finishing his sophomore year in high school uh to to really just make offensive linemen look silly all night long it was it was very impressive and on top of that He's got a he's got a motor and and plays with a passion. I mean, he was fired up and yelling, and every every time that he won a rep, he was he was fired up and and um, you know kind of making some noise back there, which you like to see. You like to see guys that are passionate about what they do and compete and compete and uh, and he did that all night long. And you had coaches, you had Perella and and Trent Bray over there watching and grabbing other coaches to come over and watch. And you had those guys pairing uh, Gary. Nelson up with some, you know, with a bunch of different offensive linemen, the best offensive linemen at the camp. And and I'm telling you, he just continually all night long just dominated. And uh, and by the end of the camp, you had Mike Riley go over to him and put his arm around him and start talking with him. And uh, Perella and Bob Diaco start talking with him and they pulled his dad out of the stands and, and they ended up offering him and, and things got a little emotional. And His grandfather was, was there as well, too. Yeah, I mean, it was just, a, it was a really cool thing to see uh, for a kid from Scott's Bluff and uh, to come out and, and kind of be under the radar and just completely dominate all day long to the point where I think he forced Nebraska to to go ahead and offer him. You know, it's funny when I watched him. He reminded me a lot. You watch Wisconsin, you watch Iowa, and they always have like these high motor guys like that. And you're like, why can't Nebraska get a guy like that? And and he's that. T- I think he's one of those kind of guys where you know the last few years, um, you know, we, we just see that a lot against Nebraska. And, and to me, he fits that kind of mold. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's. He kind of almost kind of reminds you the way that he played and and how he played and performed kind of reminds you of a T.J. Watt or a Vince Beagle type of guy, you know that that is just um, it's like regardless of how athletic they are and gifted they are, um, their their motor and their passion are just as um, noticeable and and I think that's that's kind of how Garrett Nelson is. I think that's how he operates, kind of in his DNA. I know his dad was a wrestler at the University of Nebraska. All back- America. Yeah, back in the early 90s. So, uh, I mean, he's definitely got that competitive gene uh, to him. So that was it was a lot of fun to watch. And then, Nate, as, as you look at the camp, obviously we hit on Max Duggan, but he was really, I think, the other major story um, that came out of it. There were also a lot of other good 2019 guys there. Yeah, Max Duggan came in, and, and that's really the first time I've been able to actually watch him in person or see him in person. He's a four-star or four-sport athlete. Um, so, I mean, he's he's involved in all sorts of stuff. So to, to be able to get him on campus obviously was a big deal, and then to actually have him work out after he had already been offered was was even a bigger deal. So, um, And I was impressed with the way that he threw the football. Uh, he's very accurate, and his arm strength was really, really impressive. I mean, when they were going through drills, uh, it took probably eight or nine different wide receivers to to finally until one finally caught a football off of him. Every, and they all hit him in the hands. They just it, they were coming in so fast that that uh, I think those wide receivers had to adjust a little bit to to the the velocity on his passes. But he was impressive all night long. Drew a lot of attention from uh, current players on the team, especially Tanner Lee, Patrick O'Brien, and Tristan Jebbia, as well as pretty much every staff member, um, you know, at least spent a little bit of time talking with him. And, um, and, and definitely Mike Riley and Danny Lingsdorf were, were very involved there too. So uh, that was good to see. Um, you also had – an unofficial visitor who didn't work out, but you had Daniel Carson there uh, at the camp, stayed for Big Red Weekend, and and he's the deep, big defensive end out of uh, Independence, Missouri. That is really kind of – it's him and Judge Culpepper, I think, who are right at the top of Nebraska's list for that remaining defensive end spot. And Judge Culpepper, coincidentally, will be in town this weekend. But uh, it was good to, for Nebraska to finally get Daniel Carson in on campus, in town, and around the, the staff and the coaches there because he's uh, he's certainly one of their top prospects. What's the scoop on Carson? I mean, he – 
is, is he leaning one way? He has major, major offers. You wonder how many of them are still committable at this time or what he's really considering. Uh, but Kansas City area guy, Nebraska's kind of been dominating Kansas City for a long time. Um, this is a guy that you would love to see Nebraska get. Well, yeah, after the visit, I think Nebraska is most certainly right towards the top of his list, if not at the top of his list. I know Oklahoma is another school that is has been really, really pushing for him hard, so I think the Sooners are also very close there. And Ohio State is is another one that I think um, you know is very involved with him. Uh, and has been recruiting him hard. I know he released like his top 10 or his top seven or whatever it was, but I feel like those are probably the three schools that are that are probably the most involved with him at this point in time. Uh, but it's hard to get a read for for where he's at with the process because he really does not do a lot of interviews. Um, he doesn't really respond a whole lot to text messages or direct messages. Um, so and he, he plays things very, very close to the vest. So uh, but I know following his visit and some of the things that he tweeted about his visit, um, some of the things that he told us in, in the short interview that we got with him. And then he was very he, – he took notice of the Joshua Moore commitment that following Sunday from the from the camp, from that Friday camp, and then the uh, the Big Red weekend on Saturday. He, he was tweeting about that, tweeting at Joshua Moore, c- congratulating him on becoming part of the team. And, and so, I mean, I think that counts for something because that's – you know, it's not like he had a personal relationship with Joshua Moore prior to that announcement. So uh, I think there is a little something to read into that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we put a wrap on the first Big Red weekend and Friday Night Lights camp. A couple other names I want you to hit on, Nate. Bryce Benart, 2019 tackle from Lakeville, Minnesota. Marcus Hicks from Wichita, Kansas, a defensive end who may end up being the number one player maybe in Kansas for 2019. Yeah, we'll start with Marcus Hicks. I mean, he's 6'6", 220-some-odd pounds or so. Uh, and he's a pass rusher, uh, pass rushing defensive end that I think is only going to continue to to grow and fill out. He's big, long kid with a giant frame, and um, and and along with Garrett Nelson, I mean, he was very, very impressive. Uh, and anytime you've got a kid like that from the 500 mile radius, I think you got to try and um, lock him up. He he has some really nice offers already. But um, you know, it was good for Nebraska to kind of you know have have that experience with him, get to work with him, keep, have him on campus all week long, weekend long for the camp and for Big Red Weekend, and, and to kind of throw their their name in the ring there. So, uh, and then Ben Hart is is a monster of an offensive lineman is out of uh, Minnesota, like you said, is already gaining national type of offers for a 2019 prospect. Nebraska has not offered yet, but I think they could be getting close to to going ahead and, and making it something official with him soon and then uh, last guy I want to hit on 2021 Hayden Connor out of the Houston area Katie Texas um, 6'5 275 going into his freshman year of high school with Nebraska and Miami offers this is a kid that Nebraska saw Nate at the college station satellite camp um, and then invited him to come up to the camp and him and his dad made the trip up for not only the lineman camp but also FNL and I believe even Big Red Weekend and and they really um, had a great chance to kind of hit it out of the park with what appears to maybe be a top 100 guy for 2021. Yeah, there's no question he's going to be a top prospect. He's this is going to be a kid that has. 30, 40, maybe even 50 offers by the time it's all said and done. I mean, like you said, he just finishes his eighth grade year and already has offers from Nebraska and Miami. Um, and that's only going to continue to to grow from there. I think that when you look at him, there's I was shocked that he was a 2021 prospect because he, he definitely – Crazy. Yeah, he did not look like – he looked like he was heading into his junior year of high school, not his freshman year of high school. Uh, 6'5", 275 pounds, very competitive kid athletic guy I mean he had been playing tight end up until this past year so um, he, he's an athlete there at the offensive tackle position and uh, and, and is only going to like I said only going to continue to get better and, and he was arguably one of the top offensive tackles at the camp maybe maybe the top offensive tackle at the camp as as a eighth grader essentially all right when we come back we're going to shift the conversation over to this weekend it's going to be one of the biggest recruiting wake weekends we've ever seen at Nebraska um, over the summer months. Uh, I feel like we say that a lot with this coaching staff, yeah. but um, it is going to be a huge weekend. Uh, Nate Klaus will give us the full rundown. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. 
This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the show as we are getting ready for what looks to be as big of a recruiting weekend as we've ever seen here in the month of June. Nate Klaus, uh, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus here back on the Husker Online show as Nebraska will host over 25 prospects that are either committed or hold Husker offers. 13 of them are Rivals.com, four and five stars. 11 of them are in the Rivals top 250. Yes, 11 of them. Uh, Nate, it doesn't get much better than that, my friend. It really doesn't. And and like you said before we went to break, that uh, it feels like that we're saying this is the biggest recruiting weekend maybe ever quite a lot with this coaching staff. And and we said that a lot about the spring game last uh, last April. But I think this is uh, this is – probably going to eclipse the spring game in terms of numbers and overall quality, um, especially when you look at the the type of commits that you're going to have on campus combined with the type of high-profile uh, targets that are going to be on campus. And usually that's a good mix when you have a lot of your, your top commits there with your, a lot of your top targets. Um, there's some some bonding and and some you know a lot of what ifs are going on you know guys talking about hey and what what could we do here what if we all went together here at Nebraska what could we accomplish that type of thing so it's going to be a lot of fun and I think maybe the the thing I'm most excited about this weekend is that most of these guys are planning to work out and compete against one another it's not just that they're coming to visit this weekend and that a lot of these guys are going to be standing on the sidelines uh, Friday night at the camp a lot of these guys are going to be out there actually competing uh, when they really have no reason to do so other than for the love of, of competing and wanting to go out and, and play um, and compete against one another so I think that is a pretty special deal uh, when you've got that type of talent that's wanting to to really get you know kind of strap it on and, and go out there and, and have some fun compete against one another you know Nate last year Nebraska kind of took a chance and said, we're going to make these open to the public. We're going to make them open to the fans. Who knows what we're going to get? Well, what they got was 3,000 fans or more in the stadium for the final Friday Night Lights camp last June, and it created one of the more special atmospheres you'll ever see at a camp anywhere. I know it, a lot of people said that to me afterwards. Well, now they're going to add more bells and whistles. There's Fan Fest, which is technically separate, but come on. We know that was set up basically to be a lead into this. Genius. There's going to be a DJ. There's going to be big screen boards. It's going to be set up for a big-time evening uh, I'm excited just just to get a taste of it and see what it's going to be like. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that last year's was, without a question, very, very special and uh I mean, when you had guys like uh, you know Tyjon Lindsay out there making catches from from Tristan Jebbia, and you had the crowd going, you know, cheering or going ooh and ah, you know, every time there was a good rep and and the go big red chance and everything, the recruits and the prospects they took notice of that uh, and and they loved every second of it. And so now for Nebraska, whoever came up with the idea to kind of have a fan fest prior to the camp and and have this all open to the public is I mean that was a genius move because I think with the amount of talent that's on campus and with the way that the word spread from last year's camp to now I think uh, I think it wouldn't be out of the question to to assume that there's going to be at least five thousand people in the stands maybe even more than that uh, this Friday and, and I think that's even going to have a greater impact on a lot of these prospects. You're listening here to the Huskar Line Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. So many guys to get to, Nate, that are going to be here in attendance. I mean, we really couldn't even get through all the names, but um, you know, as far as the guys that aren't committed, um, I think the big news um, you know, we reported on Wednesday was TJ Pledger, the current Oklahoma uh, running back commit, is going to be here. And that caught a lot of people in the recruiting world by surprise. I know Mike Farrell, when I showed him the list of guys that are going to be here, um, Rivals.com's national analyst was like, wow. I mean, that is an impressive, impressive group of guys. Yeah, that's that's uh, it is a, quite the collection. And I think TJ Pledger is one of those surprise guys that's on the list. You know, this is a guy that committed to Oklahoma a week or two before he was supposed to visit for Nebraska's spring game. And, and Nebraska has kept in touch with him this entire time. And ever since uh, Bob Stoops stepped down at, at Oklahoma, I think Nebraska's even cranked up the heat a little bit more. And don't forget that he's now teammates with Buki Radley-Hiles at IMG Academy. These two guys 
guys are our best of friends, uh, and they're also very close with Tyshawn Lindsey, who's already on campus at Nebraska. So Nebraska has a lot going for him here, and, and I think that uh, for him to be coming this weekend with his mother is going to be here Thursday through Sunday, uh, you know, spending time with the with Tyjon and with Buki and all the, all the coaches and and everything. This is um, this is Nebraska making a major move and maybe taking that next step towards eventually landing TJ Pledger as their lone running back commit in the class. And um, and and you also have another IMG Academy teammate, Houston Griffith, who's a top 100 defensive back who's coming in along with these guys. So you're going to have a little bit of an IMG flavor when you factor in Buki Radley Hiles and Joshua Moore uh, were both at IMG this past semester that are now committed to Nebraska. And then you've got um, Houston Griffith and TJ Pledger who are coming in. So uh, all these guys know each other very, very well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. If you were to give fans some advice, Nate, on kind of how to watch and what to watch, <laughs> give. I mean, because we've done a lot of these camps for a lot of people coming on Friday. This might be their first time uh, getting to see an event like this. What's your advice to anyone coming out? Well, I would, uh, I would probably, to be honest with you, I would, I would pick a good spot in the stands to be able to, to kind of have somewhat of a bird eye, bird's eye view. And higher is better sometimes. Yeah, higher is better sometimes. You know, if you want to, if you want to be low at the at the beginning to kind of, you know. Uh, see some of these guys a little closer up while they go through individual drill work. I would do that. But once the one-on-one start, I think you want to be up a little higher so you can kind of see, okay, uh, this guy is going against this guy. You know, Buki Radley-Hiles is going to be uh, going up against um, uh, Kobe Smith, you know, the, the three-star wide receiver out of California. Or, um, or you've got, uh, you know, Micah Parsons covering, you know, TJ Pledger out of the backfield here. Um, so I, I think that a little higher up is better to watch the one-on-ones, especially um, the O-line, D-line one-on-ones because there's a pretty good circle of of players that forms around that group. But the, I, I think most people pay attention to the wide receiver, defensive back one-on-ones. You're going to have Max Duggan throwing to a lot of these guys, and and that's where a lot of the excitement is at. You know, these guys, you know, you're going to have defensive backs getting up, playing press coverage on these wideouts, and and uh, and making impressive catches or impressive interceptions, whatever whatever way it happens to play out that particular time uh, with a lot of these guys. So that's that's kind of would that would be my advice is to once the one-on-one start is to pick a good spot up in the stands so you can kind of have a bird's eye view of everything that's happening. Well, it's going to be a busy weekend on HuskerOnline.com. Make sure you are online all weekend as we will have full wall-to-wall coverage of everything you need to know at this weekend's Friday Night Lights Camp and Big Red Weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 